does one get into science communication? Is it possible to make science communication into a career? Dr. Quill Darby is our expert today, and her and Anastasia are sitting down to give you all the tips and tricks of science communication. Welcome to the show, Quill. Thank you so much for being on Boiling Point. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> okay, you, uh, I must ask, you are a science communicator extraordinaire, but you must have started somewhere. <laughs> so how thank did you, you start um... in this space? <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. You, in fact, you are a science you know what I'll have a boiling um, point show just about me one day <laughs> yeah you could interview yourself that'd be exactly awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I had I think like a lot of science communicators I had a, a sort of a an interesting journey to get here and I studied biotech um as my undergrad and I loved sort of learning about genetics and inheritance and, and those kind of things and I I kind of I went on and I went and traveled and stuff like that. And then I ended up doing a PhD at UNSW in molecular biophysics, which was super cool and learning all about um, proteins and unfolding and all the sort of protein conformational disorders and how they all work, um, which was awesome. And I loved it, but I, I found that I was sort of hanging on for those moments when I got to go to a conference or there was a school group coming in that needed a lab tour or something. Um, and I did one year working as a postdoc after my PhD and, Super cool project, working at Wollongong Uni, doing some really interesting, like, brand new sort of molecular phys biophysics stuff. But I just, yeah, I just thought, wait a second, all I do all year is wait for that time I get to talk to people about science. So maybe I should do that as my job instead. Now, yeah. was that a scary step to take? Because science communication, there's no particular job that you can just apply for right it, you know yeah. it's not like applying for a postdoc or it's yeah. very up in the air now, was that a scary step to take ah uh, yeah I think I think I actually I sort of before I started my PhD I actually looked into doing a science communication master's and at the time years ago I thought wait how what job would I have doing this and I thought there's not that many jobs like naively as a young student I thought oh all I could do is work at Questacon and that's like one job and it would mean you know that I, I have to stay in that spot and I wouldn't know what else to do so I didn't do that I ended up doing a PhD um and I by chance when I was sort of finishing my postdoc journey I sort of I stumbled across um the website of physics education which is where I started my psychom um journey and I was actually just trying to buy some nerdy science toys for my nephew for his birthday and noticed that they had jobs available and was like wait a second this could be me and I, yeah and that I guess the rest is history as they say yeah and what did you do there um so I started at physics as one of their science outreach officers so um doing you know doing hands-on programs hands-on workshops stage shows sort of physics does a lot of everything um, which is fantastic so so many great experiences wait um, you mean other than math because that's all I <laughs> associate physics with <laughs> so yeah they, they did do some math that was that was and actually just their math program was one of my favorite programs which I never expected because that wasn't one of my stronger points when I was studying and stuff but it was 
fascinating to turn maths into something hands-on and and watch the kids just get so into it by doing hands-on activities and that kind of stuff so that was super cool so I started there as a as a science sort of as one of the learning officers uh and I just as I tend to do like to organize some of their systems because I like to organize things um and I ended up being the education manager at physics for five years so that was really really awesome position which allowed me to develop new programs and allowed me to, you know, train our team and engage with uni students on SciComm training and uh, do amazing events uh, where I got to do science production for like things like Splendor in the Grass and the Bondi Ocean Lovers Festival and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it was amazing. Okay, yeah. let's talk about Splendor, baby, because <laughs> what a huge opportunity, right? Like huge yeah. event. And what was it um, that kind of brought you and and the other producers of Splendor to put science in it? Because it's a music festival, right? That's what everybody knows it for. What made you think, you know what, science would be really cool there? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you know what, we didn't didn't start the the science tent at Splendor. So we were lucky enough to come on board the second year it ran. Um, And it was sort of a, it started as an initiative between Inspiring Australia and Southern Cross University sort of had the ideas, hey, let's let's put science communication, let's put all these awesome, cool researchers with cool ideas right there with the people that, you know, that we want to engage with science and that we want to understand science in a really casual and fun and fun way. So it did run for one year the year before we were there. Um, and then they actually engaged physics education um, where Holly Kershaw and I were both currently working at the time um, to come on board as the science tent producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how hard is that job? Because I can imagine the prep for that is months in advance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these things that is just so much fun. It's so much fun to do um, that you do sometimes forget. It, it's hard. Like, it's a, it's, it's a great fun job, but especially... Like, I mean, there has been, there's years that are more challenging than the others. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but it's it's one of these jobs that's just so fun. So, like, preparing Holly Holly, and also this year, um, Alex Thompson, who I believe was on your show recently, mm-hmm. um, came on board and they do a lot of the creation of the program, um, finding people that are doing awesome stuff, coming up with, like, the themes around topics and what we want to do, what we want to put on there, because we don't just want to throw anyone up there. Getting science out to people at festival is a bit of a niche. Uh, it's a bit of a niche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what is it that yeah. you look for in your scientists when you pick them for Splendor Science Tent? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, lots of different things. I think um, the this is this year was the third year we got we've run it, and we have more and more control over what we pick and how we how we produce that and how we design the program, um, which is great. And so we now have. The ability to think like what are the topics that people that are going to be at Splendor are interested in like what what is going to get people to go oh that's interesting because there's also like an awesome band playing on just down the road and all my friends are at the pub or like let's what's going to get them to sit down and, and engage with science so we find topics that are awesome but we also need to find presenters like yourself uh that are awesome too like we, you've got to present in the, in the in the right way you can't just get up there with powerpoint be like here's my data because yeah. no one's going to stick around when you know you can hear the tunes start to come in from the amphitheater <laughs> at the same time so, uh, by the way yeah. to all of our Boiling Point listeners I am definitely paying for Quill to give me all of the compliments okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do you right. would you say um, 
sometimes do you ever play on like controversial topics to kind of Absolutely. you know get the boost and stuff but this year was yeah. really interesting because you actually avoided the topic of covid may i ask why because it feels like it would have been a really easy advert to do right like oh science yeah. dead come to splendor covid blah, blah. but you yeah. avoided that so how come this is true i think when we go for controversial topics we try to go for topics that people might not engage with the science with in in otherwise so um like how are people engaged in the science all that's out there about COVID is the science right now and it's great to be informed and it's great to know about that but things like you know things like risk and drugs and and this a lot of people are you know Splendor is targeted as a youth market it's uh, things people are interested in but they might not know where to go to get information about the real stuff about the science behind stuff about what's there and to understand this kind of stuff we you know the people that do our cyber hacking panels to teach people how to set up their phones correctly and all the kind of controversial topics but things that like let's put it in a way people can understand and put it in a place where people are are, they feel like the people there are approachable they're not feeling like they're being told by someone what to do Mm -hmm. i think yeah covid like it was really nice to have a break not thinking about the science of COVID, I think, for, yeah. for the weekends. Yeah, especially when you're in a music festival and, you know, yeah. you're there to pretty much have a good time, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, how does every year differ in Splendor in the Grass? Well, you know, what, what would you say yeah. were your takeaways from each year that you have done it? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, the first year we did it, we sort of, it was much more like we sort of got handed this is how it's done and it was really still like it's still really the 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 brainchild and the baby of inspiring australia and southern cross so it was more like here's out this is who's going to present and and we sort of curated it a bit and we didn't have as much sort of control on what was going on with that and we had some awesome fantastic researchers and great presenting but not always exactly exactly maybe how we would have programmed it if we'd had full control um but you know the people that were you know, Slender that was engaging for me that they didn't really know who we were and they didn't know what we were able to do. So it was sort of the safe option to start. They saw that we, you know, we could do a very good job, that we're organised and systematic, the beauty of science communicators, right? <laughs> um, and then we were given a lot more free reign. So the second year we really, we sort of focused around different topics. Again, we tried to get um, with people from all different places and different fields and different areas and we expanded the way we did that. We really tried to have, like, you know, not no, um, not no. It's nice to have the support, but no powerpoints. Like it's your, it's your there. It's not, it's not your presentation. It's like to show something, and we really made it really hands on. Um, and then we sort of actually this year stepped back a bit from the hands on because of COVID. Actually, like underline there, uh, but we did try to keep it as engaging and sort of fun as we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and. I think you did an excellent job. I really, you know, it was my first time there. Um, It was my first time actually at Splendor. I've never heard of Splendor as like a Canadian. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But what an excellent time, you know. Yeah. Despite um, specific, you know, things that were completely out of everybody's control. Yeah. Right. I think it was still a phenomenal event. And, you know, um, Quill... (laughs) You know, if you want, I'm always available next year. <laughs> uh-huh. We get that a lot. <laughs> I'm not surprised because, like, it was so much fun. Of course we want to do it again, yeah. you know. Have you yeah. ever presented a Splendor? Um, 
I have, yeah, I have. So uh, sometimes hosting sessions. Um, uh, last year, I actually did a stage show that was the science of a shoey. So we, uh, I actually did an experiment. We grew some bacteria that I'd plated from all around Splendor. So I took swabs around Splendor and I grew them on agar plates. Uh, and we had them growing over the course of, of the festival. And then I did, we did a stage show that included sort of what could you do to prevent if you're going to do a shoey, how to do it safely. So we like, I lit my shoe on fire and we put it in liquid nitrogen and all sorts of things. And then as would inevitably happen, we ended up doing shoeys on the stage. Um, ah, yeah. Okay. But for our international listeners, could you explain what a shoey is? Because I only recently found out. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The shoey is sort of, I think, starting to be an outdated trend, but it was a bit of a trend going around about where, especially at music festivals or sporting events, people would chant shoey and you would have to then scull a drink. So drink very fast out of your shoe. Um, now is it like you put the glass in your shoe or do you actually you pour the drink into your shoe right yeah I mean yeah so when we did it on stage I actually I I I, I hand it and I put cups inside the shoe okay good we we did have one um we did have one person whose birthday it was who just jumped up and grabbed a shoe and did one straight out of his shoe yeah um but that's dedication that's the love of Luckily, it had been in liquid nitrogen, which is minus 196 degrees Celsius. So I don't think there would be much left in the shoe. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. there you go. It, it only works out better. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, yeah. uh, I, like, as a science communicator, um, do you ever find, like, okay, how do you make money? Because sometimes, uh, I, as a Good science question. communicator myself, <laughs> right, you get asked to do a lot of things but yeah. a lot of them are paid with exposure. And yeah. exposure doesn't pay my bills, right? No. So do yeah. you find that you get a lot of that even now? Um, yeah. And if you don't, how did you kind of transition into being like, oh, you know what? I'm worth it. And my rent isn't going away, you know, or yeah. my, my bills and my groceries, they're not going away. So actually yeah. pay pay me, you know? like Yeah. How did you, if, if you did transition, I, I assume you did, you're a very established science communicator. Um, how do you transition to that? That is a really great question. I think, I think I actually got lucky because rather than like finding my science communication feet while studying or something and trying to be out there doing my science communication as someone um, that's been brought into activities, say like at Splendor, mm-hmm. I'm actually, a lot of the time I'm on the other side of these and I am producing those events so um so you'd be amazed how many times I come into a role where I'm producing for someone and they're like Let, let's just get everyone to do it great and I'm like these people like this is their career and this is this is great to be someone that produces these science stages and sometimes you're sitting down with event people trying to be like actually these people are trying to make a living from this it's like are you gonna ask the bands to come in and be there for free um so wherever I can I mean sometimes you get to an event and it's for say charity but like community kind of set up and it's like how cheaply could you do this for us or like you know do is there something you could do for us here where we could do something for you and I and I I try not to do that but I do find you end up leaning on your friends and the people you know because it's like hey you know we're going camping next week and by the way on the day before would you like to be the host of my panel at this event or (laughs) or whatnot so um it's really hard and I try to support 
events paying science communicators as much as possible. Um, but I've been super lucky to have come into science communication through my role at physics, which was a paid role to do that. And so, um, but I must say there's definitely a lot more hours than I think you get paid for on paper, <laughs> especially at Splendor. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but then there's so much you get out of it as well. So it's exactly. just getting that balance yeah. sometimes between those, which I'm sure you know as well. It's also similar with, with many jobs where it's kind of like, yeah you especially if you're passionate about it you do a lot more for it and i would yeah. say you know specifically as phd students we mm. know we work a lot for our phd because we're putting yeah. so much you know into this this research that we love and of yeah. course you're going to put in a lot of work to it you know and and yeah. you know a, a lot of the times if you are passionate about what you do you don't really notice how much you're, you're putting in, you know? Uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, there yeah. are times, though, of course, <laughs> uh, PhDs are hard, you know, they're yeah. not easy. Let's put it, yeah. let's make it clear. Um, yeah. But it's very important to love what you do because it's, and it's absolutely a lot of work. Is. Yeah. 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 That's right. So tell yeah. me, what else, uh, kind of what other kind of events have you run and, and what other events do you produce? Yeah. So I, um, I've, yeah, so when I was with physics, I had a chance to do so many different things because they're, you know, that Ben is amazing. He's they've been involved with so much stuff for the last like, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Um, I, I actually left there at the start of this year to sort of pursue, I started my own business. Uh, so one of my passions I found through physics, which is creating programs for the kids for school holidays. Um, I actually found that when I got to write programs for kids that didn't involve telling them how to learn, I just loved it. I loved it. I love providing the sort of ideas and the materials they need to think for themselves and just sort of facilitating that rather than telling them how to how to learn. So um, I started my own little business. It's called Junkyard Rascals. Oh. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Tell me all about it because I think this yeah. is a very cool concept that you do because it's yeah. also a sustainable concept. It is. Yeah. So we use 100% recycled materials uh i like to call it my junk playground and it's basically you know based on the sort of pop-up adventure playgrounds and adventure playgrounds that are really big in the us and the uk and sort of european countries so it's basically a big pile of junk and i bring it places and the kids play but there's obviously a lot of thought and curation that goes into that junk so uh, you know I, I i find stuff on the side of the road at market stalls at gum tree or dug out of my in-laws garage snakes in um, and I create space where there's you know things that roll things that slide things that can be tied together things that can be put in the mud and just kids just phenomenal the creativity that the things they come up with and I just think that like you know the next generation of out-of-the-box thinkers are going to be the kids that are tinkering and trying and solving problems and failing and working with their friends and doing the things that interest them not what we tell them that they need to learn so mm -hmm. that's what i try to do yeah with that's, my point. yeah that's fantastic and do you then yeah. also live quite sustainably i try to mm -hmm. yes i um yeah so we you know try to i'm looking at my house right now going everything in my house <laughs> i'm trying to see if there are any plastic <laughs> bottles around <laughs> yes yeah, so, i mean my, my laptop's currently rested on a milk crate which is the perfect height for a standing desk so that's Excellent. great Excellent. um i do i try to live sustainably i grew up on the north coast i grew up on it for a long time i lived on a hippie commune hence the name um and oh really i thought the name was like harry potter inspired <laughs> 
Professor Quirrell, Quill, you know. No, I mean, I tried to just sort of, I don't want, like, I think, I think it's easy to lose track of um, what we're trying to create for the world, for our, for our kids. Um, it's easy to lose track of like wanting them to have the best school or the best toys. And then I like think that so much of that is destroying our planet and the best thing we can leave behind for our kids is going to be the same joy we get from a hike or a swim in the ocean or all of these things. And if we just stop for a minute and think about that, I think it's really important for people to try and focus on that as well. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Was it (laughs) difficult to start your own business? It was easy to start it uh, because you just register it. But then, yes, it is a lot. I mean, I should have known this because I have worked for a small business, but it's a lot of work. Uh, And that is now why my business has become my side project. And I love doing it, but it's not sustainable to do every day uh, as a job because it just means like being up till two o'clock every night working on stuff and then Anyway, so I, I am decided to, to bring it bring it back to just doing a few events, mm-hmm. um, a couple of events a month, and and trying to do it in in that respect. And um, yeah, I have an awesome grant right now with Inspiring Australia that is allowing me to do um, pop up STEM inspired play activations at a few events in Wollongong and Shoalhaven and South Coast. So that's super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a lot more work in in running your own business than I think I should have realized. But yeah. So yeah, so now it's my side project and I've just started another new job down in Wollongong, which is the first time in six years that I'm not commuting to work. So I'm very (laughs) excited. So So what is it that you do now? Yeah. So I I was working at the Botanic Gardens, which was fantastic for this year. I did six months at the Botanic Gardens. And I got to the Sydney Science Trail, which was so cool. And I um, was working and doing the nature play with the kids, which I love as well. Um, but, yeah, as I said, like commuting, there's a, there's a ticking time bomb. So I found a job at a fantastic place in Wollongong, which is called Green Connect Farm. And I've known about them for years. I've supported them. They are um, an urban permaculture garden in Wollongong. What does they that mean? Are, it means it's an 11 acre farm nestled in between a high school and suburbia. It's just nestled right in there. Um, it's it's just phenomenal. So it's actually my second week. So it's super exciting. And Congratulations um, on the, the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the new activities coordinator and that will be designing sort of farm tours and community events and engaging everyone in the beauty of like fair grown food um, and sustainability and all of these sorts of things. Um, and they're just Honestly, like I knew they were awesome, but then you start there and you meet everyone and you're just like, wow, because they they only um, so they only employ former refugees, um, First Nations and Torres Strait Islander people, and also youth that are facing sort of complex barriers to employment. So oh, that's incredible! Phenomenal what they do, yeah. yeah. And they they've got op shops and they do veggie boxes and farm stuff and they do zero waste audits at events and they offer training programs and staffing solutions to employ people once they finish their training mm-hmm. um, and landscaping and all those sort of things. And just like, you could not find a more amazing group of people working on sort of sustainable options and, and try, so trying to do what's best for people that have had, for whatever reason, um, a harder time finding work. Yeah, so, yeah. that's incredible. Awesome. Um, we'll have to kind of put a link to um, it on our blog post. Um, Please. Because I, I awesome. would really like everybody to check it out yeah is it only please. in Wollongong or do they have events in Sydney as well 
Um, they so the farmers in Wollongong, um, they do sort of come out to events and do teaching about sustainability and that sort of stuff. So I think a lot of that was on the back burner during the flooding. Oh yeah, it was just a swamp down the, in the in the farm site. So, um, but yeah, really looking to engage in more stuff around um, Illawarra, Sydney, and like our local area. But expand that out into Sydney, especially because it's it's really so close. Like, you know, so many people work in Sydney or Wollongong, but so many people forget that there's amazing to see in that vicinity as well yeah exactly and it's not yeah. too far of a trek as long as you're not commuting it commuting every yeah. day you know yeah. it's not too far of a trek for like a weekend or something you know? absolutely yeah. yeah yeah all right awesome. so we are um nearing the end of our show so i would like to end with what is your piece of advice for budding science communicators fantastic great question i think for me my piece of advice would be just find something that you love, whatever that is. Find how you love it because um, sharing science and and getting people engaged in science, it, there's no set way to do it. There's so many different things. There's science comedy, there's podcasts, there's hands-on stuff, there's art exhibitions. And if there's something that you think is cool and that connects science and you think would bring joy to people, if that's what you're trying to create, just have a go. Talk to someone nearby or see what's there and just see what happens because it's just there's, there's so many pathways and I think with social media and everything right now just connect and see what happens and have a go oh Maybe thanks, it will that's amazing <laughs> I feel like you were talking right to me little <laughs> budding science communicator <laughs> Quill thank you so much for being on the show what uh, where can thank we find you, you? where can we connect with you you know give us give us a scoop yeah um yeah well thank you so much for having me I um you can Check out what we're doing at Green Connect. So on all of our socials and what and Twitter and all those things. So that's Green Connect, or you can check out Junkyard Rascals, which is my little business. Um, we're doing lots of fun things. Or my handle on other things is Dr. Quizzle, Dr. Underscore Quizzle. Um, I'm a bit lazy with posting on there, but I, I get there. I've got a few too many jobs at the moment, but <laughs> yeah, day. you're working till two a.m. Yeah. You know, you, you've got a great excuse. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, just follow some things and see what's going on. Ah, well, thank you so much, Quill. It's been so lovely having you on the show. Last but not least, you brought in a very wonderful song from a very amazing band. Actually, I know one of the members of the band, um, Max Mallon Cooper. They are an amazing trombone player, uh, and the band is very cool. Now, what is the band, Quill? I did. Okay, so I brought the song I want to have is um, Thick with a K, uh, by the Hot Potato Band, who are just phenomenal. I saw them at a, at an event recently and amazing. I just saw all of their horns shining and had to go check it out, and they're so great. And so this song is all about putting avocado on your toast. Uh, so it's a it's a shout-out to my dad who made you some avocado toast late one night after getting stuck out of Splendor. That's so, true, yeah. Thanks, when he <laughs> saved our butts when we thought we were going to sleep in the car somewhere in the forest. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Same Thank you. Thank you, Quill's dad. Shout out to Quill's dad. We've made multiple uh, shout outs to your dad, including on our other podcast, Convos with Cordates. Like, we have not stopped shouting out your father because he's such a cool guy. Such a cool guy. Oh, Dad. Classic. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Quill. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to Boiling Point. We will see you next week for your weekly science show. Fresh and funky with the hot potato bag.
Yours too. When the sun comes up, we're gonna cook a meal for two. You'll be strong, give me the strength to follow my heart. Well, open up, open your eyes, your ears, and your heart. Salt and pepper, mmm. That's what I'm talking about. Sense. 